0: Hey, housing news listeners. This is Austin Lloyd, and I'm the producer of this weekly podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. Today, you will be listening to episode three of season three, which features Robert Brooksmith, the president and CEO of the Mortgage Bankers Association. In this episode, Brooksmit explains the MBA's approach to borrower relief as regulators move to suspend foreclosures and evictions. He also touches base on potential liquidity backstops for servicers, bank regulatory flexibility for lenders legislation permitting remote online notarization nationwide, streamlining the refinance process, and more. According to Smith during this time of great uncertainty and rapid change, the best advice he can offer loan officers is to continue the hard work. But before we listen, Clayton will bring you a word from our sponsors.
1: Going into the third season of housing news, we're thrilled to welcome our sponsors, ArchMI and Quicken Loans Mortgage Services. With interest rates at historical lows, refinances are booming. How do you win this business? It's simple. Lower the MI premium for your borrower. The newest feature of Arch's innovative RateStar platform, the RateStar refinance retention program, makes it possible. Eligible borrowers with loans already insured by ArchMI can refinance into new loans with a lower MI premium payment. Give your refi customers a better deal. If you'd like to learn more about how RateStar powers possibilities, visit archmi.com forward slash rate star refi. And to learn more about Quicken Loans Mortgage Services, visit qlmortgageservices.com.
0: Thank you for listening. And here's episode three of season three of the housing news podcast.
1: Hey, Housing Wire audience, this is Clayton Collins. Uh, we're coming to you on Thursday, March 19th for a special interview with the president of the Mortgage Bankers Association, Bob Brooksmith. Bob, thank you very much for taking time to join us today.
2: Happy to do it, Clayton.
1: Uh, your team you and your team at the NBA are, are doing a lot of work and intimately involved with helping the industry right now in DC in Operations in collaboration between folks in the industry uh, We have a pretty good lens on what's happening in the mortgage industry right now yours may be better and we want to make sure that we're able to tap into the knowledge that you and your team are working on this week and best communicate with with our audience the, the entire housing economy um, and make sure people are as for- informed as possible. And Bob, before we kind of get into questions, I want to set the stage with uh, a quote that you had in your from your communication to your membership on Tuesday. The mortgage industry can best support the economy and unleash billions of dollars of fiscal stimulus by helping Americans refinance to a lower rate thereby freeing up resources for them to spend on other needs. There are unnecessary obstacles to achieving this in which we are working to remove. I thought that was an extremely powerful statement and a, and a big motivator for this conversation today. So, Bob, when I started going through the notes, what I wanted to talk about, the list got pretty long. So I'm going to jump straight into it and, and hopefully we can move through in a really succinct timeline. Um, so Bob, starting off, can we start with borrower relief? I know the NBA is doing a, a lot of work here right now. Um, can you set the stage with your focus on borrower relief and the actions that MBA is taking?
2: Sure, thanks Clayton. And we, we do know, we don't know how big this will get, but we know that a lot of Americans will have trouble making their mortgage payments because of the effects of the pandemic. <clears throat> Our members stand ready and able to help provide this borrower relief. The thing is that people, I don't think there's a wide understanding among the policymakers around the country and, and, and just regular citizens, that in allowing for what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac announced yesterday, which is a six month, up to six month forbearance, followed by a up to six month extension, provided the borrower still has trouble making the payments that far out, which of course we hope won't happen, but it could, Is that despite the borrower not making the payment, the servicer must advance that payment to the investor. So we are coupling the our ability and willingness to provide that relief with letting policymakers know that there has to be a liquidity facility that enables servicers to continue to do this. Because while all of our servicers are in good financial shape and have a lot of liquidity. It could evaporate quite quickly if the take-up rate on these forbearance programs is high and if the duration of the forbearance is long. Of course, we hope that the take-up is limited to those people truly in need and that the period is not too long, but we have to prepare for the fact that it could be.
1: And Bob, so if I understand this correctly, servicers have the potential to get hit on two fronts right now. If there's, if there's um, uh, early payoff risk through the, the, the low rates and rapid refinance, as well as forbearance, are both of those li- liquidity stresses on servicers?
2: Yes, they're quite related because as the value of servicers' mortgage servicing rights drop whether just because they're marked to market and when the interest rates go down, the prepayment expectations go up and therefore the asset value drops, or they're real, meaning the loan actually paid off. Of course, the mortgage servicing right goes to zero when the loan has paid off. That limits their ability to borrow against the value of those mortgage servicing rights. So that's a liquidity hit. And then of course, this advancing, um, which in addition to keeping the investors whole, they also have to pay the property taxes and the insurance. So there's uh, not only principal and interest for the investors, but there's taxes and um, insurance to ensure that the, the uh, counties or the states are made whole for the tax receipts and that the insurance stays in
1: force. So when, when Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and Jenny Mae announced their uh, eviction and foreclosure uh, um, moratorium uh, yesterday through the end of April, was there any uh, announcement on how servicers would be helped through that period, or is that kind of the, the, next, um, the next leg of the stool on how servicers will potentially be provided with some liquidity backstop?
2: Yes, I think that a short term moratorium on foreclosures and evictions, and I'll note, I think importantly, that this does not uh, affect in, uh, vacant properties for Fannie and Freddie. In other words, okay. if a property is vacant and and they've gone through the process and they're trying to get to a foreclosure sale that property needs to be put back into productive use and if it's vacant it's not covered because of course there's no eviction if the property is vacant so that's just one point I'd make and and I I think our servicers are accustomed to short-term moratoria on uh, foreclosures and evictions in the context of a natural disaster that of course is more geographically uh, circumscribed because you can, you can identify which counties are affected by a natural disaster and just have the moratoria there. Nationwide is a, is a different matter of course, but the real, uh, from a liquidity standpoint, the real concern is on borrowers who are current today, but will not be able to continue making their payments due to the pandemic.
1: And uh, is the the initial moratoria, if I'm correct, is through the end of April. is Is there discussion, or do you think there's a chance that that gets extended for a longer period?
2: Well, I think like everything in this environment, uh, it could change the we all hope for a quick course of this, and that the the social distancing and all the all the other measures that we're all taking will be effective, and that this will be a short uh, duration uh, pandemic. If, of course, it turns out to go longer, I'm sure the, uh, the policymakers will consider whether that moratorium needs to be extended.
1: Okay, thank you. So in the last few days, we've heard of more uh, non-QM lenders, specifically with large warehouse lines kind of facing some challenges, some challenges with, uh, with jumbo loans as well. Um, you mentioned uh, bank regulatory flexibility for lenders providing warehouse lines and other secured financing to lenders and servicers in your in your member update. Can you give us an update on some of the challenges that lenders um, that rely on warehouse credit uh, to operate are facing and actions that, that they are taking and that the association is advocating for?
2: Sure. And actually, this is hot off the press, so I'll make a little news here because I've okay. just seen the draft from our staff, which we'll be getting to the prudential regulators uh, forthwith. One thing that we think is a very concrete step that the prudential regulators can take is to reduce the risk weight on warehouse lines from 100 percent to 50 percent. This would increase the capacity of warehouse lenders to keep the funds coming to deliver this really critical economic stimulus to Americans because As you know if you've got a mortgage and you're able to refinance it at a lower rate and that that stimulus starts when your next payment is due it's almost immediate and this could unleash billions of dollars of stimulus but if a lender because of the record volumes in the pipeline is at the cap of his or her warehouse lines then of course fewer americans can be helped so we think this is a common sense step it would apply to very safe assets, which means uh, I think our proposal will be if the, if the warehouse line is backed by notes on Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginnie Mae loans, then the risk weight could be cut in half, which would, which would dramatically expand warehouse lenders' ability to uh, make credit available in this environment.
1: Like, like everything in this environment, urgency and, and timeline seem very important. Um, it seems like there already are some, some lenders in this environment that are, that are locking up. Um, is, do you think the regulators will be able to move on a timeline that, that helps credit um, continue flowing in this week, next week, uh, and not, not have the, this like, be pushed out into weeks of review, which ultimately could, could harm the industry's ability to release capital into the ecosystem?
2: These are extraordinary times and when the Fed has an emergency meeting on a Sunday and makes the dramatic moves they make, I think this government is capable of making fast moves. I think they understand the urgency and I think that they will act with dispatch as we keep, uh, inter, uh, keep talking to them about ways to make sure that the lending keeps flowing.
1: Okay, and and on the subject of timeline, we are we know we're approaching the the end of the first quarter of twenty twenty. Uh, another point that that the NBA has discussed is possible relief for for margin calls on pipelines and financed MSRs. Um, one of our, uh, contri- columnist, uh, Logan Moshami has been talking a lot about margin calls, specifically as it relates to these warehouse lenders, we just discussed. Um, can, can you give us a little background on that challenge? Um, I know, uh, our, our whole industry is not in the weeds of margin calls and MSRs and the secondary market. So it'd be helpful for a little background on what this means and in the NBA's view. Sure. So. One thing
2: related again to what we just talked about with the prudential regulators, the the uh, FDIC and the OCC and the and the Fed um, have urged that their lenders uh, give some forbearance to borrowers in these uh, unprecedented times. So the warehouse providers uh, or the mortgage servicing line providers um, have these servicers as clients so we believe that that guidance should apply in cases like this and particularly in a case where a margin call is really more of a repricing of assets as opposed to an income statement event in other words it's not it's not real it's not real green dollars it's it's revaluing an asset um so we think that they can have some flexibility there and the other thing i would say is that while the market has been whipsawing the ten-year treasury, which triggers a lot of the valuations for a lot of these uh, assets, is a good deal higher than it was when the when the crisis started. I think it got down to maybe thirty some basis points, and I think it closed yesterday at one eighteen or something. So there will be some relief just from um, a little bit of a normalization of the of the yield curves, but we really don't know, as you said, a lot of these uh, hinge on quarter end and. There's a lot of trading days between now and March 31st, but, it's, but some of the marks that I know some of our members were faced with are gonna be ameliorated some by the, uh, the increase in the tenure.
1: Uh, part of the, the whipsawing you know, sawing the 10 year has also impacted, uh, mortgage rates and how lenders are, are, are pricing rates. Um, I mean, we're, we're only talking about five to seven business days here, but we've seen rates drop down to the twos and then seeing people have trouble locking and shoot back to the fours and to the threes. Um, I couldn't even tell you where they are as time of re- recording right now. Cause every lender I talk to is, is, is quoting something different. Uh, so the with the with the consumer rush to the refi market and talking to originators rates uh, can continually keep coming up in the news cycle and in feedback we're getting from LOs real estate agents and and consumers Um, what is the the NBA's view on on how rates could or may normalize as the 10-year kind of hopefully rest above one percent for for the rest of the, the quarter Yeah, the the rates have uh,
2: fluctuated wildly. I talked to a lender yesterday who had to reprice upward three times yesterday. And you know, that is not what we like to do. We like to set a rate and then allow for a little fluctuation. But when it gets to a certain point, we're forced to reprice. So and yesterday in particular was a kind of a crazy day because the same day that the stock market sold off by more than a 1000 points, the yield on the 10 year went up and those usually that combination is extremely unusual as investors were flocking to cash. So when things normalize and, and can be a little more predictable, I think lenders will price more consistently. The other thing you have to acknowledge is that because of the enormous pipelines that our lenders have combined with, so a huge demand combined with a supply shortage, if you will. And by that, I mean people implementing work from home, Uh, Protocols. I think our industry has done very well with that, but there's inevitably some productivity loss. And as as uh, employees of our members are affected by illness or having to care for people, whether they're because they're out of school or because they're ill, the capacity in the industry is is naturally going to drop a little. At the same time, of unprecedented demand, so certainly some lenders are pricing loans to make sure that they don't take in more loans than they can get through the pipeline. And to that end, I want to mention a couple of things we've been very active with from the very start on this that would help lenders and, in turn, borrowers get these loans through the pipeline and unleash this stimulus. So whether it's not requiring an appraisal on a rate and term refinance for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, where one or the other of them already hold the risk, FHA, VA, and USDA all have streamlined refinance programs that do not require an appraisal. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have a property inspection waiver, but it's only used uh, maybe about 40% of the time on rate term refis, and we think that they should um, eliminate the appraisal requirement on those extremely low-risk loans where they already have the risk, and all we're doing is putting the borrower in a better position with a lower payment to make that payment. There are a couple of other things like verbal re-verifications of employment, if you have a pay stub from a teacher and normally you'd get you'd call the call the school district within 10 days of closing and say, is, is the teacher still employed? Obviously nobody's gonna answer the phone at the school district if it's closed. We want some flexibility not to have that be a an underwriting defect. And a couple of other things about ways in which borrowers can close loans without having to sit face to face with a settlement agent, whether it's expanded use of limited powers of attorney or whether it's remote online notarization which we have in 23, I believe, states, but we're trying to get it federally, and in fact, uh, have just um, helped draft a bill that was introduced yesterday by Senators Warner and Kramer that would allow remote online notarization nationally.
1: Can we go a little bit deeper there on, the, on that bill? I mean, that's a topic um, we've been hearing a lot about third-party uh, service providers being a bottleneck to close right now, whether that's appraisal, inspection, notarization, um, title, the list kind of, the list kind of goes on. Um, can we talk a little more about the remote online notarization bill? Um, what that means, what the challenges are to get that through in all 50 states? Sure.
2: The remote online notarization permits electronic closings so that the notary who is witnessing the documents does not have to be face to face with the borrower. And as I mentioned, I think we have it in 23 states. There are active pieces of legislation in state legislatures for another dozen or 15, I forget the exact number. But of course, I, I live in Maryland. Maryland just adjourned yesterday. They truncated their session. They're gonna have a special session later, but I'm not optimistic that remote online notarization is gonna vault to the top of the list in all of those states simultaneously. So the other way to do it is with a federal bill, and that's what was just introduced. Okay yesterday after, uh, frankly, being drafted over the weekend. This is happening in real time. And we are encouraging that the provisions of that bill be included in one of these stimulus packages because it is so related. I mean, the immediate need for it is so related to the pandemic. And it'll also help help the efficiency of the closing process in perpetuity. But of course, it's, it's especially needed immediately.
1: It, without a, a federal bill, would this could we result in a bifurcated market where there's 23 or a certain number of states where the real estate market is able to continue and another subset of states that, that ultimately frees up if in-person a- interaction or quarantine is extended further than anticipated? Well, this gets back to my other point about limited powers of attorney,
2: where it wouldn't matter if a state allowed remote online notarization. If let's say a uh, a lender or a settlement provider uh, express mailed the documents to the borrower's home. The borrower could then go through all of them, maybe on maybe on the phone uh, with the settlement agent to the degree they had questions. And then the borrower could execute and federal express back a limited power of attorney, which lets the settlement agent or some other uh, disinterested party sign the physical papers on their behalf. So they would have reviewed them. They would have, uh, signed a limited power of attorney, giving someone else the authority to execute on their behalf. And then that um, could be done uh, at the settlement agent's office and, and commerce would continue to flow regardless of whether that state permitted remote online motorization.
1: Okay. And let, let's flow this into to title insurance. With increased number of county recorder offices closing, uh, what does that do to the real estate transaction and the, the mortgage market? We've worked a lot on
2: this issue, and there's, I think, I think we have pretty good news on this. There are a couple of points here. One is that electronic recordings are permitted in uh, over 2,000 counties around the country, out of 3,000 in some counties, and it covers, I forget, more than 80 percent. I think of the population lives in a in a jurisdiction where um, electronic recording is permitted, and, and the other thing is that. Some people had worried about whether there might be a title uh, insurance concern where if a, if, a loan, uh, close, if a loan disperses today, normally it would be recorded in real time, but if there's a gap between the disbursement and uh, when the, when the uh, document is recorded, title insurance companies are stepping up and saying, we will insure the gap. They, they are requesting, at least some that I've seen, are requesting an affidavit from the borrower and, and from the seller if it's a purchase transaction, um, stating that they're not aware of any intervening liens to give them some protection, but that the title insurance policy itself would still be, would still ensure first lien position for our transaction. And we've confirmed that those title policies are acceptable to investors. So I think that that's going to help. And the other thing that we did here at the MBA is we coordinated with the american land title association which is the trade association that includes all the title insurers and also coordinated with the national association of counties because these county recorders and county clerks um, have a body in washington called the national association of counties and they are promulgating best practices as these counties reduce their operations how they can keep this vital recording process going during the during the uh, pandemic.
1: Uh, you mentioned collaboration with Alta and other trade associations. Has there been communication with the National Association of Realtors and, and how we're thinking about the, the purchase market? Um, we're hearing anecdotal evidence of open houses being canceled. We've seen a few players like Redfin cancel open houses and showings nationally. Um, I'm interested in your interaction with that part of our, of our housing economy and what you're, what you're anticipating um, for the physical side of real estate.
2: Yes, Bob Goldberg, the CEO of the National Association of Realtors, and I are, are good colleagues. We collaborate frequently, and we um, we understand that, of course, in this time when human to human interaction is limited, uh, running around to a few open houses on a Sunday is probably not the behavior that uh, that we should be having right now. However, technology has has um, leapfrogged in this space to the degree that you can do a virtual tour of a property from your computer with really high quality photographs and uh, at least at the moment in most parts of the country you can still get in your car or walk down the sidewalk and look at the outside so i'm optimistic that that it won't be uh, stopped in its tracks in any way because remember that we are entering this um crisis with an almost unprecedented low amount of inventory and there are so many people who want to buy houses and yes there are people whose income is interrupted during this time but there are plenty of other people present company included who are able to work remotely and still get paid and have some confidence that that uh, our jobs are safe and so there's this pent-up demand for the real estate that's on the market so i'm confident that the that uh, purchase market will continue. I, I'm not naive to say there'll be no effect, but I'm, I'm confident that it can continue.
1: The employee classes that are most likely to be able to, to work remote are often employee classes that may have had more exposure to the stock market. Um, with the Dow being off a thousand points, um, is there any thinking on the on rattled consumer confidence and how they, that may impact the home finance or f- home sale market?
2: Well, I'm afraid it's probably off 10,000 points, right? Maybe.
1: I, I apologize. Yeah, 10,000, 30 to 20. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: <laughs> well, sure. I mean, I, I think- didn't say
1: the timeline. <laughs> yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> I think that anytime there's a big dislocation in the stock market, um, <clears throat> the wealth effect that's brought on by opening those 401k statements and seeing a nice robust figure is counteracted, of course, when you open the next one and it's much lower. My personal policy is not to open those statements and just let them, (laughs) Uh, you know, you're in it for the long term and you let those statements uh, uh, go into the recycling bin. But yeah, sure. I think there are people who are um, who will have a different outlook on on the future, given the balances in their stock accounts. But the other thing I would say is that um, people who are in the market to buy a home, generally speaking, have liquid funds available for the down payment because they know that. Uh, putting things in the equity market is a long-term play, and If you have a big expense coming, you either keep it in cash or, or maybe in bonds. So I think plenty of borrowers will still be able to make the um, decision to purchase a home and have the assets at the ready as opposed to um, having lost uh, a lot of value in the stock market and therefore sitting on the sidelines.
1: Okay, so so Bob, uh, it was just a uh, I think it was late February a few weeks ago. NBA revised forecasts on um, 2020 uh, origination volume um, for purchase and refi. Uh, if I remember correctly, refi was was close to doubled in the in the forecast. Uh, how is the NBA thinking about um, current forecast, and have there been any revisions? To the numbers that were shared in the last update from your uh, economic team?
2: Yes, Mike Fratt and his team, of course, keep a constant eye on this. We have not put out a revision since the one you referenced where the refinance volume uh, soared. Um, and presumably, the next one will account for the issues that we see in terms of getting loans through the pipeline. So it does depend partly on how. Uh, Fannie and Freddie and FHA and VA and USDA uh, revise their guidelines to permit loans to close during this environment when some of the things that are normal in our society can't take place. But I've had very good discussions with all of those groups and I'm optimistic that relief is imminent. Uh, And if that's the case, then I think the refis can continue to flow. I think we can work through these issues with closings and recordings that we've been talking about. Um, And then it's just too early to tell uh, whether the purchase forecasts will need to be changed i'm sure mike will be looking at uh, pending contracts when that data comes out and we'll just have to see how that goes
1: and okay so bob we're, we're running up against time here but before we wrap um I, I know we have a lot of uh mortgage lenders as well as lo's and originators who are, are kind of facing a period of of uncertainty and turmoil do you have any messaging for the the, the lo's uh within your membership and how they should be best advising their their borrowers, clients, and referral partners through this time of uncertainty and rapid change?
2: I do. And and they're doing a real service for America. And they're putting their customers first despite the, uh, the, the risks from this current pandemic. And they are getting these loans processed, unleashing billions of dollars of economic stimulus, making life better for millions of Americans, and I just urge them to keep doing it. I know it's a tough time. Uh, I know nothing is working the way it usually does, but keep doing it, and what you're doing for America really matters at a time of crisis.
1: Bob Brooksmith, thank you very much for your time today. I hope we can uh, revisit this conversation in, the, in the, the coming week or so. Information is changing so quickly. I imagine we can have an entirely different conversation very soon. So thank you again for your time. I will let you get, get back to work. Um, Uh, advocating on behalf of your members. I really appreciate it, Clayton. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in to season three of the Housing News Podcast. And one more thank you to our sponsors, Quicken Loans, Mortgage Services, and ArchMI. And please don't forget to rate the show and leave us feedback on iTunes. We'll see you next week.